Hello, this is Rifa Yecker and I'm with Hooligan Magazine. This is Hooligans Talking About Books, a series where we use books as a guiding tool for conversations between artists. During each event, two artists will be chosen based on the books they've decided to discuss. The books will have some overlap, whether it's theme, setting, style, or similar author reception. There will be an interviewer who will lead the discussion, but the goal is to see how the core elements of a story in a book can influence artists. We will learn about the books, the artists, and lessons we can derive from both. In this kickoff event, I interviewed Molly Madden, a.k.a. Uma Blue. In 2016, after years of keeping it a secret, Molly Madden began playing shows and releasing music under her burlesque moniker, Uma Blue. Madden's music follows the likes of Patsy Cline, Nico, and Angel Olsen. With powerful guitar parts and alluring vocals, her music explores the depths of vulnerability, intimacy, and existential crisis. I also interviewed Melissa Castro Almendina, a Chicana poet and artist from the southwest side of Chicago. She's a member of Brown and Proud Press, a zine collective that serves as a platform for healing in POC communities and is a resident artist at AMFM Gallery. She facilitates poetry workshops on the southwest side of Chicago and debuted her handbound zine of poetry entitled Rose Quartz and Serpentine. She was a featured author at Pilsen Fest and is published in the Garland Court Review, Cuentos de Gringolandia, and Hooligan Magazine. Molly chose to discuss Book of Laughter and Forgetting by Milan Kundera, and Melissa chose Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. We ended up exploring concepts such as romance as a poet, the way men write women in books, how much are artists impacted by people who are flawed, and much more. What you're about to listen to is a live recording of our first event at Uncharted Books. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming. I'm very, very excited. This is our kickoff event for Hooligans Talking About Books. Um, this event isn't just artists discussing the books that are on the on the Facebook page, but rather it's a way to use books as a guiding tool um, for an artist talk. So we get to learn a little bit more about these artists. Um, we have Melissa Almendina and Molly Madden, who is also known as Uma Blue. And I'm going to let them tell you more about themselves. Okay, hi, my name is Melissa Castelmandina, and I am a poet and visual artist from the south side of Chicago. Uh, my name is Molly Madden, uh, a.k.a. Uma Blue. That's B-L-O-O. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm a musician. Um, we are really excited to have them here. I've worked with both of them in the past, and they're both really inspiring artists and people who do a lot of good work in the community. So... Um, uh, both me and Hooligan Magazine prioritize artists that do that. Um, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about the books and the authors now. Um, Melissa, do you want to explain the book that you're talking about in your own words? Sure. So the book that I chose was Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, it's a story of a man called Florentino and his undying love for Fermina. Um, and this love transpires like through 51 years, four months, nine days, something like that. Um, and it's just a book about, um, well, I like it because it's a book about like a poet. So it's just, like, this undying poet. Um, and just, it talks about the vulnerability of love and how, you know, it changes us or how it inspires us throughout the years. Uh-huh. So, um, I chose The Book of Laughter and Forgetting by Milan Kundera. 
Um, and he's he's best known for his book, um, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Uh, he's a he's a Czech writer, um, but he um, emigrated to France, I think, for for most of his um, life um, because of the communist regime in the Czech Republic. Um, so a lot of his um, a lot of his work has to do with like home and big abstract ideas like identity, which is so often tied to home. Um, and just lots of, I, I think he's more of a philosophical writer and he uses narrative as kind of a way to discuss these like really big ideas. And basically the book of laughter and forgetting is like, it doesn't have a continuous plot. Like I really think like he was just trying to work out some of these thoughts and he just put together, they're like, it's seven different parts. And so he just kind of, um, it's all nonlinear and he kind of comes in and out using like, he uses the word I, like you're very aware the whole time that he is like telling you a story and he'll kind of jump in and out of like a philosophy like piece and then he's back to the story and um, just further deepening his points. Um, so it's kind of hard to discuss in a traditional sense, but I, I think that is why I like him so much. Yeah, and I think both authors sort of explore a similar um, I don't know, like when I think of the both of them, I think of sort of philosophy, like philosophical fiction. Um, and I think they both explore these sort of abstract ideas, uh, where whether it's love, because I think love is abstract, and or just ex existing. I think a lot of Kundera's work is just existential um, search. Yeah, it's never ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kind of the way we're gonna go with the rest of this conversation is we're gonna break it down um, <clears throat> based on the books themselves and the authors as well as the artists and learning a little bit more about the artists. I want to know specific quotes from the books. I asked the artists to choose quotes from the books so we can see which parts of the books really stood out to them and we can learn more um, because sometimes it's hard to talk about books out of context. Um, we want to know like the specific quote that really reached them. Melissa, you can go ahead. Okay. So I paraphrase a lot of them. Um, let's see. So this is, um, I really like how Marquez wrote the, the character Florentino and how he, um, Florentino just has like this like attire throughout the whole um, book. Um, and this is a quote that really stood out to me because I feel like when I was beginning as an artist, I, I very much, um, that was like what I saw myself as, mm. like that attire, so. And it goes, the only in which he persisted in defying time and fashion was in his somber attire, his anachronistic frog coats, his unique hat, the poet's string ties from his mother's notion shop, his sinister umbrella. So, yeah. What about that is, like what reaches you? What reaches me the, the most is that, um, so for me, when I was reading that, when I was reading the book, um, I was really heartbroken and um, I didn't know quite where I was. I didn't know that I was an artist. I mm -hmm. kind of just like read the book and I was just kind of like going through the motions. Um, and this is around the time when I was kind of coming into myself and coming into myself as an artist. Mm -hmm. And what stood out to me was right before, like, around, like actually around the time when I was reading the book, 
I had decided that I was going to be a poet. Mm. So I, one day I just woke up and I was like, mm. I'm going to be a poet today from this day forward. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought like a little bow. And when I was reading the, the book, I like, I put, I put the bow on. It's like a little like 19th, like 1930s art deco bow. And I was like, this is my poet's bow. <laughs> <laughs> so I just became Florentino in, in, a, in a weird sense. Wow. Do you think that heartbreak um, is different as a poet or a writer um, compared to people that aren't? Definitely. I feel like we're really obsessive. <laughs> oh, don't want us. No. <laughs> no, when, when we love you, it's it's a little scary. But mm. beautiful, too. But, you know, I, I feel like, um, especially as a poet, I feel that I just kind of, like, focus on something, like something really tiny. And I will kind of try to capture that moment and try to capture that essence. So it becomes like this kind of obsessive thing. So that's why like the book is it's it's such a romanticization romanticization of love. Right. Um, and I mean, love can really feel that powerful and that overwhelming. Um, but I think there is definitely that intense obsession. Um, you start idolizing a person, you start romanticizing their existence. Right, you know, and then, and then in the book, Florentino, like literally, so he's in love with Fermina Daza, and he literally drinks the cologne that reminds him of her, and gets lovesick, and he eats roses, and he, and so he gets lovesick because like he's just yearning for her so much. So yes, that's definitely a poet. <laughs> Do you think that there is some problem in that? Yes, <laughs> especially like does does she love him as much as he loves her? No, 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 no. So I mean, I like I like the book because like I I feel like I am Florentino in just the way that he is because he's, he like he's in the um, I think it's called the Arcade of Scribes where he kind of writes poetry for people and like love letters. So like mm -hmm. that's kind of what I do too. Like you know, for some extra coins, I'll write like poetry and like stuff like that. Um, but no, I, I definitely think that, um, like as a woman and, you know, as an intersectional feminist, the book is super problematic, mm. hella problematic. It, it like, it goes through like rape culture because I mean, she said no. And he like still like was like, well, a month later, like, do you want my note? Mm. Like, don't you love me? And then it, it continues on. So, I mean, yeah, it's totally problematic. And then he has like an affair with like a 14 and 15 year old at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to be able to recognize that a book can be problematic, but it still impacted us in one in, in any way, shape or form. Um, that's a really hard conversation mm -hmm. uh, because es especially um, as women are non-binary people, a lot of times uh, things you loved as a young person were extremely um uh, problematic um mm -hmm. I, I know for myself like mm -hmm. oh, a big influence on me was like Frank Miller um who is a comic artist who's really bad he's like not a good guy and like treated women very poorly um in both his work and I'm sure in real life too um but that was such like how do I detach that from me you right know? like that's still part of my history mm -hmm. you know because it's so influenced you in some way right exactly right um yeah we can get back to that later too I wanted to explore sort of the um the critiques of these books too mm -hmm. um but yeah Molly go ahead if you want to share a piece a quote that you like all right so um just some preface uh the this one section is about this woman named Tamina who doesn't talk very much. She like is like a waitress. Um, and her big problem is that um, 
her husband died and as he was like he got sick so as he was dying he asked her if she would like start journaling and writing down things so that she would remember him after she died or after he died rather um and uh so she is like trying to figure out how to get this stuff back and this is shortly after she has like failed to anyways uh she's she works at this cafe and this guy comes up to her and it goes i know you're sad the young man went on tamina was not particularly won over by that remark she knew there were many ways to conquer a woman and that one of the surest ways to her flesh led through her sadness mm. even though she looked uh even so she looked at the young man with greater interest than before they got into a conversation. What intrigued Tamina were his questions, not their content, but the simple fact that he was asking them. My God, it had been so long since anyone had asked her about anything. It had seemed like an eternity. Only her husband had kept asking her questions because love is a continual interrogation. Mm. I don't know a better definition of love. Wow. Ooh, that chills. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Um, I love that. And I... It's hard for me when when I was going through and trying to pick out specific quotes. Um, I I read this book. I was really lucky actually. Um, I read Kundera for the first time when I was studying abroad in Prague. So I got to like read his novel, mm. like where he's from, and that I didn't even realize how special that was until much later. But you know, while I was there and I hadn't really traveled very much in my life, I was like 20, 21. and so I was just super self-aware that I was like learning a lot of things at once but I didn't know what and it was killing me mm. that I didn't know um and so when I was picking out these quotes I was like trying to figure out like a reason why and this I just thought was funny I just think it's really funny because I think that is something that happens a lot like I watched this like school of life video once that was talking about like why we romanticize sad people so much. And mm. it was, it's more or like why sad people are so beautiful uh, to a lot of people. And it's kind of because like, you know, you just, everyone's suffering. So when you mm. see somebody else that's like obviously suffering, you're like, I get that. Like that face you're making, I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel that all the time. Right. I just like, I don't know if I'm showing it on my face. Um, and so it's, I don't know, I just think that Tamina is like a really funny character and like a whole part of her section is about how like people really like her and she's really popular because she doesn't say anything. Like mm. she just like listens and she just sits there and like whatever like she might actually be thinking, people don't really care. And it's a, they talk a lot about um, in conversations, like how are conversations even successful when everybody is just kind of waiting their turn to talk. Um, and so she's just having this moment where she's like, you know, some dude's like, I know you're sad. And she's like, cool, great. Yeah, isn't to everybody. And then he's like asking her all these questions. And she's like, okay, I can, at your whim. Do you think that Kandera is ref like, he's self-reflexive about that? Like he is, he's aware um, of that trope of like the sad woman trope or, you know, like my pixie. I think so. I like go back and forth into like what he thinks about women because sometimes I feel and I don't know if this is just because like I've internalized so much stuff that like sometimes when he's saying I'm like yeah I think that but I don't realize it's a problem because it just is like something I haven't figured out yet um, because in all of his books he writes a lot about like polyamory mm. or like um, not necessarily like healthy polyamory though and it's always like the guy is always just like cheating and like um yeah like another quote that I had in here was like from a different story like having to do with something similar and um like it was like in the first week of this couple's relationship they had like uh 
that's like when you make all the decisions like okay so the first week we're getting used to each other so this is how the rest of our relationship's going to be and the whole thing was that like Carl was going to cheat on Marquetta and Carl was always going to feel bad about it but Marquetta got to be the better person because mm. she was faithful um, and in all of his stories it's always the woman or it's most usually and the unbearable lightness of being there's another woman that's like fucking around she's having a good time um but like there's always like a woman that like isn't cool with it but like loves the man so much mm. so I don't really know <laughs> honestly yeah. I think that I don't think he was ever directly trying to write anything feminist or anti-feminist um so I, I think that he was really just trying to like I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I think both writers sort of explore the human condition. I think yeah. that's their goal, yeah. um, which we can talk about if that's, you know, I mean, I, I always stand by the claim that everything's political. Whatever you write is a political statement, um, whatever you create. Uh, but I think I think these writers really, I think their goal was really a political. I think they wanted to just capture feeling in essence. Um, but regardless like most of you were talking about, there's still um, there's still a prob- problematic nature of that, especially if the woman is the one that's being um, kind of screwed over mm-hmm. in many instances. Um, but I, I did want to talk about, I, I liked in that passage, in that quote, uh, the, qu- the love is a constant interrogation. That's really beautiful. Um, but I also liked what you said about sadness being something that is so interesting to us and it kind of reminds me of just like ex- like the world today and like memes and just like <laughs> right you know like we we, we all, all trauma right we're all just trying yeah. to cope and so we make these really really kind of niche universal truths um in in these strange post like ironic images um and it's interesting i think that you hit it spot on like why we're so intrigued by um, tragedy and like sadness right well because there's nothing more familiar than that so when you see a person across from you that just like looks like aren't like body language wise like they reflect what you feel you just feel like you know them right away and that's like really beautiful but also so tragic mm. and can lead you to such like a bad place um because I know that, like, you know, when I think about, you know, like, I'll talk about my friends who are like, oh, we like that person. They're so sad, you know, mm. <laughs> like, I want to know why and everything. But, it, you know, it's just because we think that we understand it. And that's like not most often than not. It's not true. Right. It's never <laughs> as romantic as it. No, it's it's, like. it hurts. Right. <laughs> like, it's right. not fun. Absolutely. Um yeah, I also wanted to discuss kind of just basic elements of a story and how they've um, impacted you um, both as artists and as people, which sometimes are inseparable. Um, I know that you said that you decided you were a poet, but it obviously always lived in you. Mm-hmm. I think I think poets can't decide to be poets unless they see the like see his life as poetry. Um, I think it's impossible. I think it's just something that is. Um, but sort of, I don't know, characters, we already talked about two characters, both, both women. Um, well, you talked about Mm -hmm. Florentino, Florentino. um, but sort of characters in the books that you either resonate with, like you already mentioned that you do resonate with him, Mm -hmm. um, or hate. Hmm, let's see. Who do I hate in the book? (laughs) So I simultaneously also hate Florentino for just, um, for not taking no for an answer for being with that young girl and in the book the young girl actually commits suicide mm. 
um, because of unrequited love between between the both of them. Mm. Um, and then just, I mean, I didn't really like how Marquez wrote Fermina. I think that he wrote her just too fickle and fickle and it, it made me think that he didn't really respect her especially like towards the end of the book from what I remember um, they finally do um, <clears throat> end up together um, and in the book Florentino is seeing Fermina undress and he's like almost like just um, judging her like that she's aged because mm. he actually never saw her when they were together when they were young so it's just, it's, it's an interesting thing like it's like this is love but also like while well, we're, we're about to just have sex for the first time wow. when we're old like he's just like talking about her body and it's just really uncomfortable huh mm-hmm. so that is interesting and i think something that keeps kind of this is something that i thought about before we started but it is interesting um you know you're both women and you chose these men who, mm-hmm. who can't always write women very well and you know it doesn't take away how important these books are right but what it does to our own understanding of how women are treated in literature is really really interesting mm-hmm. um because it's 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 such it's such an unavoidable topic right like it's the whole book it's not even like we're searching for it right you know <laughs> <laughs> like it just is um yeah that's fascinating i think it's i think it's also fair to love and hate a person especially a character right i think i think a really good main character you love and hate them Mm -hmm. yeah um it's hard to have like um he writes from all of their perspectives so i feel like if i were to say like hate one of the characters it's more that I like hate literally a part of him Mm. because all of his characters are interesting because you care about them but since you don't necessarily get too much of their like internal narrative and you it's it's more I feel like his characters honestly are they're not shallow but they're more about the idea Mm. like the ideas are in the book are what make everything so deep but the characters are are really just props um, so when he's like arguing or yeah, when he's like talking from different, um, standpoints of, from the characters, like, I feel like the characters don't really get much of a point of view. Cause it's just the whole time. It's like, you're just like talking to Milan Kundera and he's like, kind of like, you know, like, okay, I'm going to talk to you about the idea of identity. And so like, okay, how do I make this easier? I'm going to use this character and this character. Um, so there's more, I don't think that there's like anything in here that I read and I was like, I mean, I think... <sighs> Maybe that's not true. I don't know. I th- <laughs> it's just hard for me because I think sometimes I like I'll like read, especially in the stuff um, about what I was talking about earlier, where like there's a man that's like just wants to sleep around on his wife and like doesn't want to hurt her, but like keeps doing it anyway. And I just I don't know. I feel like at a certain point I, you just keep. I don't know. Like I can't keep hearing how hard it is for you to feel guilty mm. you know yeah like that's not interesting to me anymore and it's just kind of like boring but um I think it's more yeah like if I get frustrated with the character I'm really just getting more frustrated with like the man behind the idea mm. um yeah that's very real yeah and I think keep circling back to kind of what we're talking about um because even if they did write it as an apolitical thing whatever that means uh it's still gonna come out 
as either harmful or hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I did ask you to choose books that have heavily inspired you or influenced you as artists or people. Um, how do these books directly, aside from, I mean, you talked about it a little bit. Yeah, so for me, it was, um, I just thought that the idea of selling poetry, um, like customized poetry or just kind of being that kind of like um, merchant was really interesting and beautiful and I kind of took that on that essence Mm. of I took on the essence of what Florentino is Mm. not necessarily how he acts or treats women Mm. Um, and that was really influential to me because that kind of gave me like a little guide into the kind of artist that I wanted to be and just kind of the kind of um, connections that I wanted to form with people. And I think that you can see that a lot in my work because I do do a lot of community work and I do work directly with people mm-hmm. with like the Magazine Collective, with Brown yeah. and Proud Press and stuff like that. So, Which I think is an awesome and a radical sort of response to Florentino. Right. And uh, Marquez. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's saying like, you inspired me, but I'm going to take this and do better work. I'm going to make something. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, uh, you know, like going back to like women and non-binary, non-cis men p- impacted by work like this, or just like any, any marginalized folks impacted by someone who isn't, um, being, it's okay to be inspired by work, by people like that. And mm-hmm. I think that as long as we take it and do what what we want to do with it mm-hmm. it's really beautiful mm-hmm. um i think that's something that i've learned is like it's okay to appreciate like i can have some of my favorite bands um can be people that i might not want to even meet in person right i probably i won't support abusers but i will support not everyone's nice so i might like assholes sometimes um and i think that's okay i think as long as we're good people because of it yeah so it's really amazing you're able to take this flawed character and embrace the essence that you think that is kind of the positive nature of what he is right and put it into your own work mm-hmm. um for me i yeah i just I, it, it's all it feels almost like destiny with this book mm-hmm. because i sometimes I, I think about it and i haven't even read well i read a bunch of kundera um this year and so when I was coming back to this I just kind of was noticing that like oh he's really consistent in all of his work and like likes to discuss the same ideas um and just every time I um I don't know it's funny like when I when I read him was when I decided to take Uma Blue from being a burlesque character and I'd been playing music my entire life and I was you know when you love something so much and you just feel like it would be insulting for you to even try Mm. to like do what that does for you um and so I don't know what it was. I mean, maybe it was because it, a lot of his stuff is like existentialist themed and, you know, with the existentialist, it's all like um, freedom is terrifying mm-hmm. because it is just deciding. And if it doesn't work out, then it's just your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> um, when I was reading it, I um, I came back and I did one more burlesque class and then I started um playing my music publicly and telling people that I did it and when people came into my room and saw my guitars I wasn't like yeah it's a weird furniture piece I just like the way it looks you know <laughs> like um and so I it was there must have been something in it that um I because I had read like Sartre before yeah. and, and Sartre whatever Sartre. <laughs> um and uh it was a little bit more heavy handed, but he, when I read him, he really just like feels kind of like a friend cause it's so conversational. And like yeah. when I write, I think that it's like similar. And I just, I also really appreciate that in his writing, since it, there's no pressure for it to, 
to follow like a linear time plot because life doesn't do that. And I always like all of my favorite works, like A Visit from the Goon Squad. Like that's another great example of like just I love a nonlinear time plot. I think that it shows life in so much more of an honest way. And kind of when I'm singing, like when I write a song, basically what I do is I sit down and I'll just like start playing something. I'll find something I like. And then I almost just kind of have to get into a meditative dream state where I get in and I just start singing until something sounds good with some sort of melody. But a lot of it is like non sequiturs and things that are like, you know, images or symbols that I wouldn't have even like thought had any direct impact or relation to like what it is I'm singing about but it all ends up coming together Mm. um and yeah he uses a lot of like dream images and a lot of surrealism in his work um and it always just like keeps coming back to him um and one of like another quote that's in here is like they're talking to this like one author and this author is like all anyone can do is give a report on oneself like Mm. writing a novel is such a silly idea because like oh you think you like know everybody's (laughs) thoughts and stuff and like all you really do is like cleverly writing your own story and it's like yeah (laughs) that's exactly it we were just talking about um how it's so difficult to write fiction and oh yeah but it's easy to fictionalize your life yeah because that's what it is for the most part i mean like you cannot remove yourself from from your writing like it's impossible so whatever the yeah whatever the character says is an extension of yourself yeah try as you might because that's exactly like uma blue was like she was like both at once like the mask and the reveal Mm. where like i felt like i had to like turn into something so that i could sing what was like actually going on with me um and a lot of like my like her whole look is like vintage nightgown stuff and it all there's like a tumblr quote like that i saw who knows if it's true or not but it was like from this photographer that i'd like once saw marilyn monroe Uh and they were talking about like there was just like one moment where she kind of like just like exhaled and she could see like how tired she was from like pretending to be something else all the time Mm -hmm. and I, i just think about how like i mean not just with like monroe not just with superstars but like women all the time mm. like it's exhausting to be a woman because kind like in the same way that masculinity is a performance like femininity is also mm-hmm. I mean gender it's performative yeah. um and so when I was like putting together Uma Blue and like thinking about you know like I was lucky that like her I mean part of it was just like a coincidence that burlesque has a lot of like vintagey feels but it ended up justifying itself and that like it feels really good at, at least like I hope what I'm doing is kind of giving it like how interesting would it have been to know what Marilyn Monroe was actually thinking, mm. how tired she was and how she was like treated literally like livestock because she was just like becoming a vessel for something. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I like it, but ultimately like, cause I know I've noticed in, when people try to talk to me about Uma Blue and like the character and the persona, like I try so hard to separate her from myself and I try so hard to be like, yeah, she's like totally different from me, but she's like my id. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you, do you, you sing as her now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't go up there and like monologue or anything and I don't, I don't strip tease while I'm up there. Um, but I, I do, it just helps me feel brave enough to do it. Mm. basically absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's why writers um they take on certain personas too I think because it's a brave thing to share your work and I think they recognize that um when they're writing like even if they call it fiction it's still it's still you um yeah that's really powerful and and then shows a lot about both your work and like what you're talking about community and like creating this Melissa talking about community 
and creating the essence of um, someone that holds a lot of beauty in in his head and like in mm-hmm. in, a lot, in in like how he views the world um, aside from it being problematic. And then Molly taking something that's very philosophical and embracing the surrealism of it in your own work. Um, yeah, that's really that's really beautiful for both of you. Um, yeah, I wanted to also just talk about. I, mean, I guess we we covered your art. I mean, you guys are doing great. You're like you're totally following <laughs> it, not even me in guiding it. Um, well, I guess we can end on. Um, how are you feeling? How do you how, do? You feel like you have you, you feel like you've talked about what you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I think um, I would just like to add like what, what Uma Bloom, like kind of like Uma Bloom. Um, so like my my name. So when I became a writer, um, well when I when I decided that I was a writer from that day forward, mm-hmm. I, like, like you said, I was always a writer. I was always doing weird shit as a kid. Yeah. You know, just kind of like experimenting and just doing the everything, trying everything. So I wanted to experience everything. I wanted to know how everything felt. Um, so when I became a writer, I actually did a ritual and I gave myself a name mm. and because I actually didn't want anyone to know who I was. So I became Melissa Almandina through a ritual because I didn't want no one to know. I was like on Instagram. I didn't want anyone to know who, what I look like, <laughs> nothing. And then Facebook just kind of sabotaged me and was like, these are your friends, you know, these are all like your suggested friends. So like, I was like, well, cats at the bag. <laughs> hey everyone. Um, so then that's when I started to kind of post more about myself, you know, um, and started to um, just work more as a poet and just kind of, I deviated away from Instagram. So I was, I, my career started very DIY from the beginning, mm. um, but it has to do with my name and it has to do with this kind of transition that I did go undergo to become a writer with my name. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, I think becoming an artist or deciding to become an artist, um, I was talking about this with someone earlier, but um, they asked me how long I've been writing personal work and I was like, I don't think I started calling myself a writer till like two years ago. And I've been writing for many years. I think claiming yourself as something is such a difficult thing because we feel like we don't have the power to do so. I feel like we feel like we aren't allowed to be something unless we're either getting paid for it, unless, you know. We went to school for it. Right, we went to school, we study this thing. But I mean, we, me, like me and Tim were just talking about Tim, who's recording this. He's like, I just wanted to do this and I figured it out on my own. And I'm like, I just wanted to write and I figured it out on my own. I mean, you know, I ended up studying creative writing, but like, aside from that, it wasn't, that's certainly uh, journalism. Like I, I tell stories uh, through the conversations I had because, you know, I think that we feel like we're, rest- we feel like we're not allowed to claim identities if, um, if there's no transactional you know approval I guess like two years ago I remember like even like in my lift people were like oh what do you do and I'm like I'm a poet they're like oh that's cute yeah and I'm Uh, just like uh, like how much do you make (laughs) right you know just kind of like you know because like two years ago you know right now you know poets are like fucking it up but like two years (laughs) ago like you know people were like what you write poetry like love poetry and I'm like I could do I could do love poetry if you pay me for sure <laughs> but no I write poetry like that's what I am I'm a poet so I remember it took me a long time to just kind of feel it like just kind of grow into it and become yeah. the, so that's why I say become because it took me a while yeah. I just I literally had to come out in a way yeah, yeah. um you know through like I'm also queer but like also <laughs> like I had to come out again like in multiple ways I'm actually I'm always coming out at all times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah I, I, I relate <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> Just a reminder. 
<laughs> as a poet <laughs> they're like so are like what are you, are you gonna make money like what do you do exactly so yeah so it was interesting coming out as a poet i like that um it's very true i think yeah i think i like i like the idea of becoming um i think both of you relate to that um becoming uma blue becoming melissa amandina um becoming a poet becoming a singer a songwriter a, a dancer a burlesque performer um that's i think such a huge theme of of just this conversation of becoming something that um we never really had i think the we never really saw I mean, like we're talking about these men. Um, these men. These men. Yeah, these men. The these theme of everything. Incredibly, <laughs> these incredibly talented men who like wrote these really beautiful books. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> and we're celebrating them. Right. And then we're also saying, yeah, we love these guys, but we're also not men, and we can make really incredible work too. And I think right. that's the beauty in it. It's it's we're not the three of us aren't men talking about men. We're non men talking about men, mm-hmm. and I think that's. I think it's I think we have power there. Right. Um very nice of us, I think. <laughs> it is, right? I could have picked so many other books. Um, but, <laughs> but you know what? It's it's something sometimes you, the things that influence you take you by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um it's not always going to be theory. It's not always going to be these like these ex- if you picked Sartre, I, I honestly would have been like, "Okay, we're about to talk, talk about Sartre." Uh, <laughs> because in reality, Sartre is a horrible fiction writer. Um, and and Simone de Beauvoir was a much better existential thinker, in my opinion. Oh, she's so hot. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh, and uh, I think that, I, I, but not. Uh, I think that he's still a very, very interesting man. Um, I, I was very influenced by him, also. No, he was cool. <laughs> he was like the first one I read. Like I remember, I Naja's. read his. Uh, it was like his follow up to Nausea, where he was like, "I know you guys have a bunch of issues, so like, let's get back to it." Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I do. I do love that they're both international, though, um, because I think I think I'm way more influenced by international work, especially that era than American um, work at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I also wanted to ask before we end if you wanted to perform a piece. Either mostly you can perform a poem. If you want to take your time and per- get one out, I think Molly has her guitar. Sure. Prepared. Yeah. Do you I go did. Ahead? I built my guitar on the scene. Incredible. Oh, I'm glad. I, I just was like, that only sounds ridiculous because I know that that's ridiculous. That's totally not weird that if somebody made their guitar, it's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, Can you yes. What's the song called? It's called To Be Vast. To Be Vast. To Be Vast. Let's ke- keep it on the existential theme. Yeah, I Abundance. I <laughs> Feel it, hear my heart. 
you. Thank you. Wow. Line went right to my cheeks. <laughs> I love it. That was beautiful. All right, Melissa, you want to read a poem? This is called Children of the Dead. It's after the children that were at, that are at the detention centers. Trapped monarchs die inside before they become dust. It is cruel to see a monarch in a cage, winged flesh ripped in the name of nationalism and keeping the wings white. What a cruel vision to see fluttering dreams encased. Have you ever held a child's hand, told them no so sternly, stripping them of humanity? They, drowning in ectoplasmic dreams, forging new languages with their ancestors. The new Tower of Babel, built on tweets and brown children's backs, neither from here nor from there, just to tell toddlers to go back to Mexico. I remember being locked up in my early 20s. I stared out the wall because I couldn't weep. The loss of time of sunshine, so I slept and made friends with moths. The space between the underworld thinning. Above all, what comes after spiritual genocide? Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you both so much, and thank you everyone for coming. Um, this will be a monthly uh, event. Next month we'll have a spooky theme. Um, yeah, so I actually, yeah. Let me speak. I don't know, I just I decided spooky, meh. Uh, I should have done like my ghost story poem. <sighs> You can come back and do it. Okay. <laughs> a little cameo pop up. No, cameo. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we'll have recordings. Uh, Tim Chris, once again, for podcast recording. Tim. Um, we'll have that up. And once again, if you can donate, that'd be incredible. We can pay everybody, and it'd be great. Uh, thank you so much. And once again, 25% off books at Uncharted Books. We are at Uncharted Books. This is where we are at. Uh, <laughs> plug. <laughs> Um, and enjoy the rest of your night. Bye. This has been Hooligans Talking About Books. If you like what you heard, want to support artists, Hooligan Magazine, and Uncharted Books, please check out the store and donate to Hooligan through our PayPal at hooliganmagazine at gmail.com. Catch Molly and Melissa performing all over Chicago and follow them on social media at umablue and melissa.almandina. Come to the next event on October 24th at Uncharted Books. Until then, we hope you're celebrating art in all the ways you know how.